Hey everyone, Thomas here. Just a quick heads up that this week we have a guest on the podcast. So this week's episode is an interview between me and C.R. Wiley. And um, uh, C.R. Wiley is a pastor and author. And he's actually worn a number of hats, just taking this from his bio. Besides writing for magazines and publishing books, he's been a pastor and still is, a college professor, a commercial real estate investor, a landlord, still that, too, and a building contractor. He has written for Touchstone Magazine, Modern Reformation, Sacred Architecture, The Imaginative Conservative, Front Porch Republic, National Review Online, and First Things, among others. His most recent book is In the House of Tom Bombadil, which you'll hear us discuss in the episode. He is also the author of The Household and the War for the Cosmos. And he is also co-host on the Theology Pugcast, uh, and that's Pugcast, P-U-G-C-A-S-T. Anyway, uh, what you're going to hear next is uh, a lengthy uh, section from that interview, and uh, during that you're going to hear Pastor Wiley discuss his books, his writing, kind of the, the main part from this discussion. For the full interview, you can head to our Patreon, patreon.com slash classical stuff. And the full interview is there if you'd uh, if you would like to listen to that. So anyway, uh, huge thanks to Pastor Wiley, and I hope you all enjoy the episode. Uh, so I, I think we we brought up Man of the House and uh, had mentioned your next book, then twenty nineteen, uh, The Household and the War for the Cosmos. It seems like you're developing kind of some similar ideas from Man of the House, and then maybe broadening out uh, again, looking at the entire family. Um, this kind of focus on home economics right. maybe means something different to people hearing that. But um, right. yeah, usually when you say home economics, if you're if you're an old lady, you yeah. think about you know a class called home ec yes, where you're exactly. taught how to like you know do laundry and stuff. Sure. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so Man of the House was was a practical book. It yes. was intended to be a book, kind of a handbook for men. But uh, Household and War for the Cosmos was more of a, a sort of a grand vision or an attempt at sort of portraying sort of the larger picture. And that was based on a talk I gave at a Touchstone conference. In fact, uh, you were there that for that one, I think. <laughs> and uh, But it was... Um, so I, I, I gave that talk, and it was a marvelous experience. I mean, Tony Eslin was in the mm-hmm. audience. Nancy Piercy was in the audience. Yeah. A lot of other... You know, uh, Robert P. George, yeah. you know, a lot of right. other kind of significant people, and yeah. it really went over well. People yeah. really liked it. So uh, Canon Press came to me and said, hey, we want to do another book. Uh, we want you to do a book kind of like Man of the House, but something different. And sure. I said, how about this? So I just took the talk and expanded it. Sure. Can you say more about kind of what that grand unified vision is for yeah. the, the household? Again, what is this household? What is this war for the cosmos? Yeah, well, what you have uh, in scripture yeah. is a love story. Yeah. Uh, and it's, you know, a, a God who wins a bride, you know, mm-hmm. and that God, of course, is the Lord. Uh, and the bride is the church. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, he, he uh, saves her, you know, a damsel in distress. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then they're married at the end and, yeah. uh, and they live happily ever after. That's the story. So uh, Paul makes the, the connection between our households and that and the grand uh, household mm-hmm. uh, ex- you know, very directly in Ephesians uh, 5 and 6. Sure. So that's the basis for the talk. So the household and the war for the cosmos. And, and the framework... Uh, in Ephesians, uh, I think intentionally reflects the Aeneid, mm-hmm. because the Aeneid was a very popular work at the time. Sure. 
and everybody knew about it. And even down to the armor, you know, we have described for us, it, it, it was, it kind of reminds me of the, uh, in the armor that Aeneas gets from Vulcan, sure. you know, through his mother Venus. Yes. Um, so I think there's a, and this is, you know, he's addressing, you know, uh, a very uh, Roman audience, mm. uh, you know, the church in Rome. But the Jew, Jews knew this too. So in um, Acts chapter 10, there's a marvelous episode where Peter uh, heals a guy named Aeneas, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And I, it's always surprised me that no one makes the connection to right. the, like the story yes. and how, how ironic it is that this guy can't walk. Mm-hmm. Uh, because Aeneas actually right. picks up his father who right. can't walk in Chises right. and carries him out of Troy. Yeah. So now he can't walk. Yes. And what it's, what's that say? It's intended to be, I think, a comment on this, the status or sort of the, the dilemma or the, or the social decay uh, in the empire. Hmm. And we see it in lots of places. Um, there, was a, there were many disillusioned Romans at this hmm. time because of the civil wars. And, um, you know, Romans were killing Romans. Yeah. And... Uh, it was it was the toughest fighting they'd ever faced. <laughs> yeah, sure, yes. <laughs> you know, so um, because of that, uh, you know, we have Cornelius, mm-hmm. we have uh, you know the centurion at Capernaum. By the way, there's not a single bad uh, centurion in the Bible. Mm-hmm. They're all great guys, mm-hmm. which caused me to do a deep dive <laughs> on that. You know, why? Who yeah, are why these guys? That? Why are they so great? Why yeah. are they so cool? Yeah. And then, I'm, again, just thinking of like the the word that ends up being very important in that book is is piety, right? Right, pietas. So, um, so. That, that, so Aeneas, Pius Aeneas, Pius Aeneas, yeah, yeah. you know, he he's um, you know got to win his bride through combat. Sure, Turnus, um, and we are called to take up you know the armor of God and yeah. fight, sure. and we're wrestling against. Um, you know, principalities and powers and authorities and heavenly places. Uh, and the weapons of our warfare are spiritual in character. Yeah. And that's the secret of the church, the early church's victory because the Romans, you couldn't beat with literal physical weapons. Sure. The, the, the Jews tried. Yes. Didn't go <laughs> Lost well, pretty right? bad. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that, um, so again, I see like the connection between man of the house and household and the war for the cosmos. I see, I see that connection right there. Yeah, I am so curious how we go from that to in the Tom house. Bombadil. Of, yeah, how do we go? To, how do, and, and yeah, how do we how do we get from there to Tom Bombadil? Where does that come up? Well, uh, I, in the, in the little corner of the reform world that I'm in, there, there's a lot of enthusiasm for dominion. Sure, yes. You know the dominion mandate, and I'm yeah. all for it. Believe yeah. me, I'm all for it. But sometimes it smacks of kind of Baconian mm. science. Mm sort of the um, mindset of the, uh, you know, of Saruman, yep, sure. you know, and um, so uh, I thought, I th- I'm, I'm absolutely confident that that's what Tolkien was up to. He was, hmm. Bombadil is the anti-Saruman hmm. and um, you see it in different ways. And what I'm making a case for is an understanding of dominion that I think um, is more faithful um, and very powerful, hmm. but doesn't work in the way that I think sometimes we think hmm. dominion works. I think we think of dominion in a in a kind of like I said, Baconian um, way, meaning you know knowledge is power. Yes, and that's the kind of this mastery versus ownership kind of discussion comes right. up for for Tom Bombadil that he is um, master of the his house and the area around, but he's not. Um, 
maybe not maybe saying not the owner isn't the right way to say it, but he's not ruling. Yeah, uh, well, he's 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 not the owner because, uh, and I think that's the right way to put it yeah. because there's a point where Frodo asks because you know um, he asked initially uh, Goldberry, who is this guy? Yeah, and uh, she just says he is initially, yeah. which is kind of <laughs> interesting. Yes, <laughs> and then and then she goes on to say he's the master of wood, water, and hill, yeah. or something to that effect. And then Frodo says, do you mean this land belongs to him? And she says, oh, no. Right. Uh, each of the things belong to themselves. The yep. grasses, the trees, these things, they belong to themselves. But he is the master. Yep. So that was the puzzle. How can you be the master without owning? Hmm. And I think uh, Bombadil shows us how to do that hmm. or what, it, what that means. So he's clearly the most powerful creature in at least that part of Middle Earth and perhaps all of Middle Earth. This sure. is a big debate. Mm. If, if there was a showdown between Sauron and Bombadil, yeah. who would win? Because sure. <laughs> Bombadil makes fun of Sauron. Yes. Or Sauron, I should say. Makes fun of with the ring. Makes yeah. fun of the ring. Yeah. Do you have an answer? Who do you think would win that? Yeah, I think I think Bombadil. Really? Okay. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Although that's not the opinion of the Council of Elrod. Yes. <laughs> so they, they try and, uh, you, you reference this in the book, they ask about sending yeah. Tom Bombadil to take the ring. And, right. Um, I guess ultimately they they choose not to. They yeah. yeah Gand- it's Gandalf who yeah. says he just forget where he put it. <laughs> He's and maybe off, that's right. right. <laughs> you know, maybe that's right. He was just sort of like yeah, whatever. Because yeah. you know, Gandalf says yeah, if we all prevailed upon him and begged him to do it, yes. he'd, he'd probably say okay, yeah. and then he'd forget. <laughs> <laughs> so you talk in the book about some people read the Lord of the Rings and Tom Bombadil is kind of a, a, a distraction, right? Yeah. Like we want yeah. the plot to move forward, and he's this kind of two and a half, three chapter distraction yeah. from the main plot. Uh, and that's definitely, that was my experience reading sure. through of like, why is this guy, uh, you know, the song, I, I want to skip over all the songs. I sure, want to get right. back to the main, <laughs> right. the action plot that's happening here. Um, but you're drawing out the, the importance of this character, right? That, that this character is important to the plot. Um, and even tying in kind of some extra textual, like what Tolkien thought about this character as well. Right. Um, so I guess that's, I'm curious there of like, is that how you got to, studying Tom Bombadil specifically? Because you could have written a book about Dominion separate from Tom Bombadil. Yeah. Uh, I think the reason I came at it the way I did is just I've always loved Bombadil. Yeah. You know, he's one of those people you just love or hate. Yeah. You know, I, I was one of the lovers. I yeah. was like, there's something about this guy. I like this guy. <laughs> but I could also tell there was something more. I was yeah. like, what is it about this guy? Because he comes up at different points in the story. He's yeah. referred to. So it's not like just after they leave... You know the old forest. You never hear about him again. Right. At crisis moments, he's he's there. Right. He's mentioned. Um, so I, I that's what you know caused me to reflect on on the character. And I did see a connection between Saruman and Baconian science. I think that's mm. explicit. I mean, I don't think there's any doubt that the magician Saruman is the modern scientist, mm. or at least the Frankenstein type. Sure. And uh, so this is intended to be a foil. To you want power? Mm-hmm. Which kind of power? Sure. Uh, and who really is truly powerful? Yeah. Uh, Bombadil is uh, more admirable and more powerful. Sure. And so that... The What's your the connection then? So the the, the Baconian approach is that control so as to accomplish what you want through the means of 
Yeah. Whatever tools are around you. And that's exactly what Saruman says (laughs) in that episode where he, you know, he's captured Gandalf. He says, what we need is power, power that only the wise know how to, to, to wisely use so that we can order all things uh, according to the good that we, we know. Sure. And Gandalf doesn't want to go along. He's Mm. like, you know, no, that's what we call foolishness. Yes. (laughs) Right. Yeah. That's, I just wondered, do you see a kind of a common through line through these three books that, um, is there some theme that's connecting all, all three of these together? Oh, the household yeah, for sure. Right. And uh, each of the titles, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. It's, it's really intended to be a trilogy. Yeah. And, um, so the first book is just practical, you know, sort of matters, you know, addressing productive households, how, how they function, uh, how people, you know, work together, things like that. Second book, how this fits into the larger scheme of things. And then the third book uh, is really about the recovery hmm. of, you know, the Adamic uh, calling, sure. you know, to exercise dominion. Yeah. We're way down the, the road, and uh, there's been a lot of things that have uh, happened since then, hmm. and they've colored our understanding of dominion. Hmm. And we need to get back to, I think, something that was more in keeping with what the original Dominion Mandate uh, is about. And I think Bombadil does that. 